I'll be talking about another reason why I have experienced disillusionment with how many people have conducted religion. It's called toxic church culture. Vanderblomen.com are the articles I'll be reading. Most of them, then I'll tell you the other articles. Three steps to resolve conflict on your church staff. This is written November 2nd, 2015. As a child, I remember my parents taking the family on vacation. There were four kids in our family, which made for some interesting road trips. We would load up our 76 baby blue Malibu Chevrolet station wagon with a rear reversible bench seat and get ready for about a hundred are we there yet. For the first hour and a half, all four of us kids would play nicely together and have a great time, but usually about two hours into the trip, the conflict would start. Inevitably, we would get in some territorial battle, end up fighting. Someone crossed the line and then all four kids would get involved in the fight. When we have relationships with other people, especially when we are in close proximity for a long period of time, like in a workplace, there will be times when someone crosses the line, steps on someone else's toes, or simply doesn't let them have their way. How do you create a healthy staff culture that understands the importance of conflict resolution and implements steps to resolve that conflict? First, you must realize that conflict is inevitable. Whenever there are two, whenever there are two or more people in the workplace, there, there will eventually be conflict. Why? We're not perfect people. Conflict will happen no matter how spiritual you or your coworkers may be. Be prepared for conflict whenever it happens and don't be surprised or upset that it happened under your leadership. Recognize the true source of conflict. Almost all conflict stem from one source, pride. When we don't get our way or get our feelings hurt, we tend to dig in our heels and stand our ground. It's helpful to recognize that conflict will show up in many different forms, but the true source will probably be someone's pride getting hurt. Remember that the goal is to restore the relationship and resolve the conflict. There's a great quotation tribute to the Persian poet Rumi. Uh, Out beyond right and wrong, there's a field. I will meet you there. Remember that the goal isn't to establish who was right and who was wrong. The goal is resolution and restoration of relationship. Realize you cannot ignore the conflict. Do not just ignore conflict. You must handle it. Do not avoid it and think it will just go away. Trust me, it will not. So how do you resolve the conflict? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus talks about handling conflict and the appropriate steps to take. Here are three of those steps. One. Go to the person privately and speak one-on-one. It is important that on your church staff, you promote healthy and authentic communication in the work environment. When emotions have cooled a bit, schedule a time to sit down with the other person to, dis- to discuss the conflict. It is during this first meeting that you want to achieve the following. Clarify the relationship. Let them know that no matter what the conflict is, you value them and you value the relationship. Identify the issue, be specific, and let them know that this, in quotations, would ever cause the conflict in the first place. 
is the issue and keep it the issue. Use statements like when this happens instead of when you do this. Try to avoid using you statements, but instead use I statements. Most of the time, people confuse the issue with the relationship. This is why it is important to continue to clarify your relationship and identify the issue at hand. Listen carefully. Listen attentively to what is being said. And do not interrupt them while they are speaking. Once they have completed speaking, then repeat what was said so that you make sure you are understanding what they are saying and they feel heard. Talk through potential solutions. Together, write down every solution you could think of, even, even silly ones. Make a list together of ways to resolve the conflict. This promotes and opens lines of healthy communication within the workplace. Weigh every solution. What would happen if we did this? Would this resolve the issue? What else would this affect? Choose one solution. Make a plan and start resolving the conflict. If one solution doesn't work, then try another one. Be committed to resolving the conflict and restoring the relationship if needed. Maintain a positive attitude and a collaborative let's work it out approach. Two, if you are unable to resolve the conflict one-on-one, then seek a mediator. A mediator is an objective third person that can help the two parties communicate peacefully, stick to the issue, solve the problem, and work out a plan for resolution. A great mediator will never meet separately with the people who are involved in the conflict. This is helpful in that otherwise you could risk polarizing their positions and forcing the persons involved to state their case and win it. A great mediator will not take sides, gossip about the issue, or put blame on either person. The mediator's role is is to ask great questions. Listen carefully to both sides. Help each person discover the best solution and help them stay committed to resolution. Mediators cannot be directly involved in the conflict, but must remain neutral. Three, if the conflict is still not resolved, then resolve it in yourself. Go through a motive check to see if you may be the barrier to the conflict resolution. Ask yourself, am I truly seeking resolution? Am I observing the golden rule? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12. Am I extending grace to everybody? Give others the benefit of the, give others the benefit of the doubt. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. If the answer to these questions is yes and the conflict is still not resolved with the other party, then all you can do is forgive them and move on, continually praying for them in restoration of relationship. As I reflect back on the conflict that we had during our family road trips, I am reminded of a few things that may encourage church leaders that may encourage church leaders as they lead through times of conflict. Conflict is not a sign of poor leadership skills. My parents were great parents. Even the best of teams will experience conflict. It is natural and expected. There are great benefits and opportunities for growth and improvement whenever whenever a conflict is handled in the proper way. A strong commitment to creating a culture of conflict resolution is the key to making conflict resolution work. How can you better approach conflict resolution on your church staff team? Four reasons your church staff may leave your team, November 20, 2012. When When you have high capacity team members, be sure you're paying attention to the following. They could be the reasons your church staff will leave your team. One, boredom. 
One of the primary reasons people leave their ministry... Let me slow down. One, boredom. One of the primary reasons people leave their ministry job is because they feel they have hit the ceiling within their ministry. Perhaps the student ministry is growing faster than the church as a whole. Perhaps the church team member has been serving in their role for five to ten years with little change in their responsibilities. They are yearning for a challenge. Be sure to have a regular review process where you and your team can adjust role responsibilities, provide new opportunities, and cast vision for where the role is headed. Two, compensation. Ministry is a calling, but ministers must be able to provide properly for their families. If a pastor is worried about paying the electric bill next week, they will most likely feel distracted at work and not be able to fully invest in the church community. Perhaps you have a high-capacity team Okay, I really need to slow down. Okay. Perhaps you have a high-capacity team member that is working hard to grow their ministry. Be sure to reward them for their efforts. With a 24-7 job like ministry, it's important your church team members feel compensated fairly so they are able to provide for their families' needs and pour 100% into their ministry. Three, vision. A lack of vision or misalignment of vision are often the reason team members become frustrated with each other. Your staff want to be part of something bigger than themselves. They want to know how what they are doing today affects the royalty of heaven and heaven tomorrow. Carve out time to cast vision for your church team on a weekly but on a weekly basis so that everyone is working toward the same goals. If there are some obvious disagreements about vision among your church staff, be sure to bring the issues to the table for discussion. If a mutual understanding can't be reached by the team, it's time for the team to reevaluate or for the team member to find a new team. For micromanagement, have you ever known someone to say, I love being micromanaged? Micromanagement is controlling and can make your church team feel like you don't trust them. If you're feeling the need to micromanage, step back and ask yourself what the underlying issues are. Are projects not getting done on time? Are details falling through the cracks? If so, the responsibility may be weighing on you more than you think. Ask yourself if you are communicating your expectations properly and equipping your team with the proper tools to succeed. If so, inspire your team with room to be creative and be effective problem solvers. Letting go of the micromanaging reins is freeing. Give it a try. These are just a few reasons people begin looking for a new church to call their home. What tools have you found helpful in motivating your team and keeping them on board for the long term? Six strategies for telling a church staff no, October 6, 2016. Being in a position of leadership and authority means you're going to have to tell your church staff no on occasion. It simply goes with the territory. However, this does not need to cause a conflict or divide between you and your team. 
I've been on both sides of the table. I've been the person asking for help, more resources, or an extra vacation day. I know how it feels to be told, no, we can't swing that right now. I have also been in the management position, and I know what it is like to have to, to deny requests or tell a staff member their idea is not going to pan out. I don't know which side is more difficult, but I think we can all agree there is an effective way to go about telling someone no that will leave them feeling uplifted rather than ignored or slighted. Here are some strategies for church leaders who have to tell a team member no. One, be considerate and affirming. Make sure you take some time to consider any idea suggestion and affirm that you appreciate their ideas. Even if you know instantly it is not going to work out for whatever reason, at least give them the benefit of thinking about it for a little time. It's important that you are affirming your church staff and creating an atmosphere that is conducive to ideas and people being unafraid to speak up or voice their opinions. The flip side of being affirming and encouraging is that you could come across as being condescending, so be mindful of that. Strive to be as genuine and appreciative as possible. Two, give context but not excuses. You should always be able to stand by your decisions and explain your thought process behind them. Your church staff will respect you and better understand your thought process and logic if you explain a little bit about why you're telling them no in the situation. Remember, your team members are your colleagues and they are there because they are good at what they do. You should respect them enough professionally to give them some reasoning and context behind your decisions. However, you should not feel the need to defend or justify your decisions to your staff when pressed. Three, know your staff member's personality type and the best way to communicate with them. We love personality assessments here at Vander Bloman. That's the website I'm using for all these bloggers and articles. And encourage church staffs to use them to work more effectively with one another. Though it may take time to learn, it can be extremely helpful to know each other's communication preferences in sensitive situations like these. Some people respond better to an email in writing, whereas others would prefer a verbal conversation. Some people want the cold facts and logic behind your note, but others will want more of a feeling explanation. Knowing where your staff members fall on the personality spectrum will help you communicate with them in the most effective way possible. Or give them a chance to sell you on their idea and come up with a game plan. If someone is passionate about an idea, give them the opportunity to flesh it out. You might know you don't have it in the budget, but if someone is really excited about an idea, sometimes they can get creative on a project with extra volunteers or donations. Or they may also come to the conclusion themselves that their idea won't pan out once they start running the members, running the numbers and doing more of the detail work behind it. Five, offer alternative solutions. The easiest way to soften a no is to offer an alternative solution. This is a great way to turn a negative into a positive. If you don't have in the budget to give someone a raise they're asking for, maybe propose some extra vacation days or PTO instead of just telling them no flat out. Things like that can go a long way and people can walk away feeling like they got something out of the deal, even if it wasn't what they were proposing. Six, be clear and concise. Sometimes I know it's final. Sometimes I know really means not right now. Never let a true no be interpreted for a not right now if it's a final answer. In the long run, it's better to be firm and lead someone on thinking that things might change down the road. Only give a not right now if you know you will be open to the idea later and are willing to revisit it 
Don't just say it to appease the person asking. It's never easy telling a church staff no, but hopefully with the strategies, you can do it in a way that shows some grace and level of care. How do you approach telling a staff member no in a graceful and effective way? How to eliminate gossip on your church staff, May 8, 2017. Gossip can spread like wildfire and brings a sense of distrust to your church staff. It creates a stressful workplace and enables us to knock down our peers, usually to make us feel better about our situation or ourselves. It also makes it extremely difficult to have an open mind when, intera- when interacting with someone whom we've heard a rumor about. Unfortunately, gossip is a far too common problem in most organizations and often grows in churches as well. It could be a huge killer of good staff culture. As a church leader, it's vital to step up and extinguish gossip before it spreads. Here are five practical steps to eliminate gossip in the workplace. One, define gossip. It may seem obvious, but you need to let your team know up front what you consider gossip to be. Consider putting a small section about it in your employee handbook. This is not so they can tell the line, but so that they have a full understanding and can prevent it from ever becoming an issue. Here are a few common definitions. Ask yourself, is it my story to tell? Gossip is when two or more people are talking about a problem without being a part of the solution. Casual or unprofessional conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Idle talk about someone's private or personal matters, especially someone not present. Also clearly define what information on your church staff is confidential. As a function of their job, certain team members may know things that others don't. Discretion is vital. Make sure your staff has complete clarity of what kinds of things can be shared and what cannot. To implement and communicate zero tolerance policy. At Ramsey Solutions, our friend and client Dave Ramsey has a zero tolerance policy for team gossip. You get one warning and if caught gossiping a second time, you are fired. This may sound harsh, but it benefits everyone and protects the team and staff culture. Just as, just as important as having zero tolerance policies is enforcing the policy. As difficult as it will be, you need to be prepared to actually have to fire someone. But enforcing this policy will show your church staff just how important it is to keep negativity out of your team. Side note, we have, we've all been in Christian circles and we have heard gossip being marked as concern or a prayer request. If that's happening in your church or on your team, as a leader, it is your responsibility to swiftly nip that in the bud. Three, create a culture where feedback is heard. Gossip is often the result when there's no other outlet. If your church staff has a culture where there's no clearly defined way of expressing thoughts or concerns, then rumors are bound to fly around the office. Create avenues and opportunities to have productive and open discussions with employees such as staff reviews or team meetings. Keeping an open door and being an advocate for your church staff members will give them confidence to approach you with concerns rather than discuss them with others. For set the example as a church leader, you are looked to as an example of your church's values. One of the policies we have here at Vander Blowman that I'd argue every organization should adopt is that complaints go up and compliments go down. That simply means that superiors should never gossip or talk negatively, but only encourage or give constructive feedback to their employees. And in turn, employees should take confidence and concerns only to the superior, not engaging rumors and gossip with their peers. 
five reward praise. While it is expected that leaders should set the example of praise, shaping a staff culture of compliments and team encouragement will help build positivity in the workplace. If you see your fellow staff members encouraging one another, give verbal affirmation. Always recognize and reward positive behavior. Gossip will only tear down your team, so avoid the toxicity and eliminate it from your workplace altogether. William Vander Blomen offers some more great insights and practical applications here for churches and ways to stomp out gossip. What ways have you combated gossip on your team? How do you prevent it? Seven warning signs your church staff is in trouble, March 27, 2014. The caliber of your church staff is crucial to the long-term health of your church. Owning your ability as a leader and your church staff's ability to operate as a high-functioning team takes work, but the payoff will prove beneficial for the development of your church's community. We sometimes have blinders on when we look at our own church staff. Why, we're there day in and day out trying to stay above water as we deal with the urgent matters before us each day. It may feel overwhelming to even think about anything but only what has to be done today. However, when you focus on developing the synergy of your church staff, you'll begin to see the power of how a great team can revolutionize your church. The team rebuilding process begins with the team leader's awareness of the reality of how the team is functioning. When you drive a car, there are often subtle cues that tell us if the car isn't functioning as well as it should. If we don't pay attention to the rattle of the engine or the squeak of the brakes, we'll see lights on the dashboard. The signals are there to protect us. If we ignore those signals, it's at our own peril. In a team, there will be signals that will be subtle at first, but will warn you that your team needs attention. What are some warning signs that your team is heading for a breakdown? One, one or more members of your team do not contribute ideas or thoughts during meetings. Pay attention and take notes. Who's speaking up? Who's being quiet? Who's acting independently? And who seems to need hand-holding? Observe body language and facial expressions. Was there an opportunity for healthy debate that was missed? The way your team interacts with each other in staff meetings will help you take a temperature check of how they're interacting with each, with each other in the office. Two, blame shifting is toxic. Are your team members not taking responsibility for their actions? Are members of your church staff blaming a lack of productivity on another church team member? Be quick to notice and address blame shifting or your team members will quickly feel beaten down. Three, absence of healthy conflict. It is a misconception that healthy teams should never experience conflict. In fact, the truth is quite the opposite. Healthy teams engage in healthy conflict because they're striving to do what is best for the church. Thus, leaders should encourage a culture where team members' ideas, opinions, and concerns can be heard. A lack of healthy conflict could mean that team Members have lost their passion for their role or their overarching overarching vision of the team. For a lack of trust and a fear of speaking the truth, does your team trust each other? Are staff members a safe place? Are staff meetings a safe place? If you sense that certain team members are dominating the decision-making and others seem uncomfortable speaking up, lean into the root of the situation. The most effective teams trust each other. Five, offline conversations about one or more individuals on the team. Gossip will destroy a team. As a leader, you must be clear that there will be a zero tolerance for gossip on the team and be the primary example of this no gossip policy. Consider having your team write and sign a no gossip covenant with each other to help establish expectations and build trust. Six, 
meanings to debrief meetings. If your church staff is constantly in meetings, then when is ministry being accomplished? If your team is overwhelmed with meetings, take a step back and ask your team why these meetings are necessary. There may be unhealthy reasons for too many meetings, including micromanaging a dominating leader or an understaffed team. Seven, people take a back seat to productivity. If your church staff is placing productivity above people in ministry, then your vision needs to be revisited. Is your team giving people a back seat to productivity because they have too much on their plate? You may need to hire more staff. Are people taking the back seat because your church staff is ignoring them? Your staff may be burnt out or you may need to let some people go. Have you noticed any of these characteristics in your church staff? Rebuilding a team is hard work, but it's crucial to the long-term health of your church. What other characteristics should church leaders be looking for as red flags to an unhealthy staff? Three Deadly Symptoms of a Sick Church Staff Culture by Vander Blomer in March 10, 2014. Culture. It seems to be a buzzword these days. And if you go, if you Google search it, more than 535 million results will be generated in less than 0.27 seconds. What is culture? I've heard culture simply defined as a system of beliefs that guides a community's behavior. While this may be oversimplified, it's incredibly accurate. Culture has become increasingly important to secular organizations as well as churches. You'll see mission statements, core values, infographics, staff developments, and training, all with the emphasis of protecting and developing a church's culture. There's no arguing that when a church has a healthy culture, also in its DNA, it can rest assured that its legacy will produce healthy leaders down the road. But what should you do when you know your church's culture is sick? I sat down with Brian Reinhardt last week a former missionary and now an executive coach and president of Relevant Coaching, and asked him about organizations with a healthy culture. More specifically, I asked him how he spots a sick culture. Here's some key indicators. One, absence of trust. Brian says, truth rings at a certain tone. You can tell when people aren't being honest. When a church has a healthy culture, its team members trust each other. And more importantly, they are honest with each other. When there's a lack of trust, people hide ideas, are afraid to take risk, and tend to self-preserve. When there's no trust on a church staff, people care less about the health of the organization and more about protecting their own interests, most likely because of fear. When there's no trust on a church staff, communication breaks down and people talk, but they stop sharing with each other. Trust is built when employees see integrity, authenticity, clarity, and care from their leadership team. Two, unclear expectations. Another sign of a sick culture is when people don't know what's expected of them. Or worse, there's no account or, or worse, there's no accountability when people don't meet expectations. We've talked about this before in our blog article, how to keep your church staff happy. Your expectations must be clear and embraced, Brian says. I'm amazed at the corporate level how often leaders think they're being clear. But when I ask employees to articulate what their leaders want from them, they simply can't. It's the same in a lot of churches. I talk to leaders all the time who are frustrated with their team members. When I ask those team members to write down their job description to write down their job description. It's usually different from what their bosses write down. It's the leader's job to make absolutely certain that everyone is on the same page. It's three, no passion. When, when the culture is sick, people are present in body only. I've sat in numerous meetings where team members clearly check their minds and their hearts at the door. Sure, they were there in body, but they weren't really present. 
at least not in a way that was beneficial. I usually see this when people are frustrated by a myriad of issues. Brian say, says this is typical in a setting where when people don't feel heard, their ideas are rejected, or all they ever hear is negative feedback. Do your team members have a voice? Do they get to speak into the direction of the organization or project you are working on or project you are working on? Or do they just sit there clocking and nod at all your ideas? If the latter is true, you have a sick culture. It's up to you to make sure you are doing your part to listen to feedback and respond with action steps. How's your culture? Is it sick or is it thriving? Look no further than the faces of your team members. What are some other ways you spot a sick culture? Combating a toxic culture to engage and inspire your team, August 29, 2018. Strategy is great. Having talented people is a must, but the real team wins come when culture is working, says Vander Blomen, CEO and founder William Vander Blomen, and culture wins the roadmap to an irresistible workplace. Hands down, the best way to engage employees and build a winning team is by combating a toxic culture and building a healthy one. It is up to organizational team leaders to create an environment that is driven by excellence, mutual support, and positivity. There are five ways to engage and inspire your team and cultivate a positive, productive culture. One, allow people to be themselves. People are different. It's part of human nature, and it means that some employees will work differently than others. Some may be verbal processes. Some may need time of quiet. Some love systems and processes. Others may come up with their best ideas on the fly. Allow your employees to use their gifts and talents, otherwise they will constantly be looking for a role that allows them to implement their gifts to their fullest potential. Create an environment that allows people to grow their gifts, not suppress them. Two, allow room for growth. People often want to know their opportunities to move up the ladder. They want to see a clear path for growth that will reward their efforts and their hard work. Provide ample opportunities for individuals to demonstrate their strengths. Identify ways to delegate bigger tasks and roles, and most importantly, give them ownership. If they are able to own a project, they'll be significantly more invested in its success. Three, understand the dignity of work. We are all called to holiness. We weren't created to mindlessly complete tasks and duties. We were created to use the gifts God has given us. When you hire employees, empower them to use those gifts in their work. Work should be more than a way to make a living. It should be an opportunity. It should be an opportunity to glorify God and participate in God's creation. Four, use gamification. Gamification is a tool we sometimes use here at Van Der Blomen. Gamification is simply putting game design elements to non-game contexts. Is there a goal you need to reach that can be gamified? For example, we need to set out, we need to send out X amount of flyers to the homes in our community. Whoever mails and sends out the most amount of flyers gets a free lunch of their choosing. Not only are you getting a job done, but you're incorporating some friendly competition. People like to win, even if the reward is as simple as something as a free lunch. Five, encourage team interaction. Some leaders run churches like captains on a ship. This style of, this style of leadership often doesn't allow for office friendships or community. This lack of camaraderie can, stress, can create a stressful work environment. If you have a toxic culture, make a sincere attempt to change it. You can save your company. But if you allow a toxic culture to fester, you put your entire company at risk. No matter how big it is, writes Vander Blomen, it's important for leaders who run offices like captains on a ship to take a good hard look at their company culture. If no changes are made, it can negatively impact the organization as a whole. 
Here's the bottom line. Employees produce better work when the office is an environment where they are engaged and inspired. Take a close look at your culture and see what changes you can make to bring the best out of your staff. How can you change and improve your work environment to better engage and encourage your employees? Six Morning Suns, Your Church Culture is Toxic by Carrie Neowolf. CarrieNeowolf.com. Every church has a culture. How do you know if your church culture is toxic? More importantly, how would you know whether you're creating a toxic church culture as a leader? I've interacted with many church leaders and readers of this blog, and the sad reality is that there's no shortage of toxic church culture stories and experiences. But it doesn't have to be that way, and it certainly isn't always that way. Leaders are the architects of culture. You create a culture whether you attend to or not. Part of shaping a healthy culture is being aware of the signs of toxic culture and the signs of health. I blogged about the early warning signs that a person may be toxic here. But, or, but organizations have different signs than individuals do. So how do you know if your church culture is toxic? Believe it or not, the Bible gives incredible practical advice. The longer I lead, the more I use Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 23 as a health, inch, as a health check for me personally and for anything I lay and for anything I lead. It describes what's healthy and what's not for me as a leader and for the church. Below, I outlined six warning signs that are practical applications of that net, of that text. Leaders are the architects of culture. You create a culture whether you tend to or not. One, the politicians win. One sure sign of a toxic culture is that you have to play politics to get anything done. You know things have gotten political in your church when decisions rarely get made the way they're supposed to be made. Most decisions happen outside of meetings or any agreed-upon process. You can't get a yes without offering something in return. You have to continually lobby to be heard. If you're always jockeying, lobbying, and courting favor to get the right decision made, it's a sign your organization is unhealthy. In the local church, having to play politics to win is a sure sign their sin. When you do what you you say you're going to do the way you said you're going to do it, you bring health to an organization. In the local church, having to play politics to win is a sure sign there is sin. Two, what gets said publicly is different from what, it's, from what happened privately. Another sign things are becoming, to- are becoming toxic is when what gets said publicly is different from what happened privately. When there's spin on every issue, nothing can be said publicly without agreeing on what gets said first. Things are bad. For sure, there are times where a situation is delicate and you want to agree on what gets said publicly to honor everyone involved. But in too many organizations, few things that get done privately can be announced the same way publicly. And to be sure, when you're crafting any kind of a public statement, you want to pay attention to the words you use and perhaps even find agreement on them. But the end product should never be the opposite or even different than what actually happened. I have good fortune of being part of several healthy, healthy organizations. I love it when people pull me aside and ask in hushed tones, so what's the real story? And I get to tell them, actually, that is the real story. Living in that kind of culture really helps you sleep at night, too. When what gets said publicly is different than what happened privately, things become toxic. Three, you deal with conflict by talking about people, not to people. The golden rule of conflict is this, talk to the person you have an issue with, not about them. In too many churches and organizations, the opposite is true. People talk about people rather than to them. 
The church should be the best and capitalist organization in the world in dealing with conflict. Often we can be the worst. The next time you want to talk about someone, gossip, talk to them instead. If you can or won't, there's something wrong. Pay attention to that. Want to know what's wrong most of the time? You're gossiping. That's what's wrong. Trying to resolve conflict by gossiping about the person you're angry with is like trying to extinguish a fire with jet fuel. It only inflames things. Sure, occasionally you need advice from a friend about how to approach a situation. When I'm in that situation, I try to assume the person we're talking about will hear everything I say. Even if they don't, the fact that they could speaks volumes. Do I always get it right? No, but it's a great integrity check and I try to live by it. If you want more, I outline seven steps for dealing with conflict in a healthy way in this post. Trying to resolve conflict by gossiping is like trying to extinguish a fire with jet fuel. Four, church fights are normal. Conflict is normal, church fights shouldn't be. Yet so many congregations are in perpetual fighting mode. One day it's the music, the next it's the carpet, the next is some staff member everyone ganged up on. Failure to get point number three right above is the way churches come to see fights as normal. Another reason churches fight regularly is because personal preferences, personal preferences have trumped organizational mission. Churches fight regularly when personal preferences trump organizational mission. Essentially, members decide that what they want is more important than what others want or the church needs to make progress. When that happens, it essentially puts one selfish person or group against others. When that happens, everything dissolves. If your church is in conflict, there should be zero mystery as to why it isn't growing. If your church is in conflict, there should be zero mystery as to why it isn't growing. Five, there's an entrenched us and them mentality. The church should always be a we, not an us and them. Fundamentally, being a Christian causes us to die to ourselves and rise to something bigger than ourselves. Some Christians forget that. Whether the us and them mentality exists between factions in your church or between your church and the community, it's always fatal to health and growth. The job of leaders to raise vision high enough and urgently enough for all of us to become bigger than any of us. United, the church will always accomplish more than we will divide it. The job of leaders to raise vision high enough for all of us to become bigger than any of us. Lastly, six, no one takes responsibility. So who's going to fix your church? No one, someone, anybody but me. As long as things are someone else's fault, things will never get better. Again, as long as things are someone else's fault, things will never get better. The final sign your church is toxic is that no one takes responsibility. Instead, people just blame everyone else. You could blame the culture, the pastor, the leader, or anybody, but until you take responsibility, things will never get better. Blame is the opposite of responsibility. Leaders who stop the blame cycle and take responsibility have the potential to usher in real change. But you say I'm not responsible for all of it. True. But But you say I'm not responsible for all of it. True. But you're likely responsible for some of it. Own what you can. Own all you can. If no one else does, still take responsibility. You'll get healthier, and if they don't, you'll leave and will eventually join a healthier church. Health attracts health. You may not be responsible for all of it, but you're likely responsible for some of it. Own that. Seven of the most dangerous church cultures I observed by Ron, Ed- by Ron Edmondson, November 2nd, 2007. <coughs> I'm sorry about that. By seven of the most dangerous church cultures I've observed 
by Ron Edmondson, November 2nd, 2017. I coughed in my, um, the center of my arm. Why do some churches have a history of church splits culture? This friend in the second conversation said to me, this is a blog post for you. You need to talk about some of those dangerous cultures. Sadly, according to numerous statistics, more, more churches are in decline or have plateaued than are growing. Certainly not all growing churches are healthy. I would never define a healthy church exclusively as a growing church. I do believe, however, most healthy churches will eventually grow. Some of that health in a church depends on the culture of the church. How do people respond to church leadership? How do they respond to each other? How do they react to change? How are decisions made? What upsets people most? What is the atmosphere, the mood of the church during the weekend on Sunday? How does the church treat vocational staff? All, the, all those are usually relative to indicative of church culture, so I decided to post about some of the most toxic church cultures I've, uh, I have observed. Most likely you'll have some of your own to share. Here are seven of the most toxic church cultures. Selfish. Some churches are filled with people who just think they have to have it their way, and they fold their hands and sometimes hold their money until they get it. Prideful. This is a culture that is proud of their heritage, which is a good thing, but is resistant but it's resting on their laurels. They refuse to realize it's no longer the good old days. Their pride in the past keeps them from embracing the future. They resist any ideas that are different from the way things have always been done. Rigid. A rigid culture would never kill something even if it isn't working. These churches do tradition well. They don't do change well. Try to change and it'll be the death of you. Clickish. I've heard this from so many people who felt they just couldn't break into the already established groups within the church. In this culture, it takes years for people to feel included, find a place of service, or begin to lose the new person label. Bullying. Sometimes this is disguised and called church discipline, but in some of the stories I've heard, I would tend to call it legalistic. If it's a one-strike-you-out one culture, or people that are made to feel they can't be real about their struggles for fear of retribution, the picture of grace that Christ died on the cross, the proof is diminished. People are encouraged to put on masks to hide their struggles. Stingy, in this culture, there's a, there's a greater concern that the balance sheet look attractive than meeting the needs that God brings their way. The church rarely walks by faith because that seems too irresponsible. Twenty-one signs your church staff has toxic team culture. July 27, 2016. It's nearly impossible for any team to remain completely healthy 100% of the time. On any church staff, there'll be problems with drama that occasionally arise that will have to be dealt with accordingly, but, is it, but it is vital for church leaders to proactively safeguard their team against turning toxic. Watch out for these 21 warning signs that your church staff's team culture is turning toxic. One clicks within the team. Friendships will naturally form on your church staff. That's a wonderful sign of great staff culture. Certain people will bond more closely, but when groups become exclusive factions, view it as a warning sign. Two, no cross-collaboration. Having colleagues to collaborate with can be a huge asset to your church. Failing to seek out others' opinions and ideas on your church staff will ultimately stunt the growth of your church. Three, improper boarding of new staff hires. 
bringing on a new team member is an opportunity to make another advocate for your church who can reach people for God's kingdom, God's queendom, God's royalty, be gender and sexually uh, belonging. Properly training your new hire on procedures will help to reduce future problems and stress. It will also allow them to fully grasp the culture and core values of the church. For lacking unification, ideas and opinions on your team will vary at times. Ultimately, that's a sign of healthy staff culture. However, if team members are commonly on opposite sides of the equation and need someone to step in, there may be a larger problem that needs to be addressed. Five leaders aren't present. Um, does the leadership make a concerted effort to be in the office whenever they can? How often do you see the senior pastor, executive pastor, or elders? If the leaders are absent all the time, it's impossible to set the tone of a great staff culture. Six, not enough vacation time. Does your team seem tired and in need of rest? When was the last time they took time off? I don't just mean a weekend, but a real vacation. Offering competitive benefits is a great way to maintain great staff morale. Seven, too much vacation time. On the flip side of that, if team members are always out of the office, they're missing out on a lot of valuable culture and collaboration. Is your staff invested or just punching the clock until their next vacation? Eight, gossip. Gossip can be one of the most toxic aspects of a church staff's culture. The Bible says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It's imperative that church leaders shut gossip down whenever it occurs. Nine, no interaction outside of work. While everyone may not want to spend all their time with their co-workers, a healthy level of time, Spent outside of work together promotes team bonding and helps people to understand one another better. 10. Not attending other team members' events. It's simply not possible for everyone on your staff to attend every event your church has. However, it is your staff putting forth an effort to support each other, each another's ministries and activities? 11. Bad attitudes and negative comments. Everyone has bad days, but reoccurring negativity should be a red flag if there is some misalignment between visions. If there are constant negative comments coming from your team or a team member, address it. 12. New ideas. Not everyone is creative, but a sense of agility and problem solving should lead to new ideas and continued improvement. If your team simply does things the way they've always done them, your staff culture will become stale. 13. Lack of vision. Church staff members should have a an alignment and vision with the, with the church leadership vision for their ministry, as well as vision for bringing people into God's royalty of, royalty of heaven as a whole. 14. God, goals are not measurable or are, too, or, or are too unachievable. Pushing oneself in the ministry as a whole can drive growth and lead to great achievement in your church. However, it is crucial to check attainability first. Setting goals that cannot be reached or are difficult to measure can lead to weariness and disillusionment. 15. There are one or two dominating personalities. While it's an advantage to have varying personalities, having people who are domineering or abrasive can quickly be a pitfall to your church staff culture. 16. Lacking commitment towards church. Are your church staff members strongly committed to your church and its mission? 17. High staff turnover. Consider why so many people have left or slash or are leaving. This is often a glaring sign of a larger problem. 
18, no personal effects. Physical space can largely affect people's quality of work and life. This doesn't mean you have to have the coolest, hippest space. Simple things like turning on the lights or opening curtains, keeping office doors open when possible, and encouraging people to decorate their spaces creates a more inviting atmosphere. 19, ha not having lunch together. Are people interacting other than when they have to? It's certainly not required for staff members to always eat together, but it's a positive sign when they frequently want to. 20, not trust within roles. Micromanagement can quickly lead to discontentment, stress, and lack of trust. How does your team lead? 21, rapid growth in staff. Oh, this may not necessarily mean your culture is toxic. It's something to pay attention to as large numbers of new staff members can change the culture, vision, etc. Have you seen any of these warning signs on your church staff team? Uh, okay. So basically... To sum this up, it's really simple. Some some articles, you can just sum them up. Communicate your values often. Give your staff goals and purpose. Organize a staff off-site. Be consistent with your own values. Recognize culture and action. Give employees the freedom to be themselves. Celebrate the wins. Hire well and train well. Get to know your coworkers. Treat others as you want to be treated. Bonus because it's obvious. Let them eat snacks. Confront privately. Praise publicly. Write positive things. Say difficult things. Encourage more than correct. Be transparent. No gossip allowed. Allow room for growth. Ask questions rather than offer solutions. Expect individuals to own their issues and solutions. Allow them to fail and follow up after failure and success. Setting the vision, building morale, communicating well, fostering a spirit of innovation. And always be mindful of tips for how to do the right things in life. So that wraps up everything I wanted to say. We should always be asking questions and providing answers that are about progress and not regress. And the reason why I chose to read all of this because all these articles is because this is one of the reasons why um, organizations, including churches, are declining and not growing. This is a major reason why. And so this is another reason why I'm disillusioned with religion because toxic church cultures are never preached about. And that as always made me upset because issues in church I want them to be preached about so people can be mature Christians. 